Hi, I'm Clayton Collins, your host for the Housing News Podcast, and your instructor for this special four-part mini-series focused on wholesale lending, which we've dubbed the Wholesale Lending Masterclass, brought to you by BeAMortgageBroker.com and powered by United Wholesale Mortgage. Today's conversation is focused on helping new brokerages get off the ground. And our guest, our expert is Mr. Mike Walton, the Director of Wholesale Development at UWM. This entire series was designed to deliver encyclopedia-level knowledge across the wholesale lending market. In today's conversation, the capstone conversation for this special series is focused on the common paths and professional backgrounds that lead lending professionals to becoming a mortgage broker. The decision between opening a brand new mortgage brokerage shop versus joining an existing or scaled mortgage brokerage in the business models of running a brokerage. We kind of end the conversation talking about the incredibly vibrant community of brokers coast to coast that help each other out and share knowledge. I hope you enjoy today's conversation and this episode on helping new brokerages get off the ground with Mr. Mike Walton, the Director of Wholesale Development at UWM. And now a quick message from BeAMortgageBroker.com, powered by UWM. Now is the time to take control of your career and pipeline. Loan officers and mortgage bankers are quickly learning about the benefits of wholesale lending as an independent mortgage broker, including eliminating constraints and going to market with lower rates, fees, and closing costs. Whether you're looking to open your own brokerage or join a team as a loan officer, you can get up and running without missing a beat with support from the team at BeAMortgageBroker.com. You have nothing to lose and only clients, greater flexibility and compensation to gain. Visit BeAMortgageBroker.com to learn more. Powered by United Wholesale Mortgage LLC, equal housing lender, NMLS 3038, licensed in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. All right, we are back for episode four in our four-part series of the Wholesale Lending Masterclass. So in the first three episodes, we've covered a ton of really important content on wholesale lending and the broker ecosystem. We started off with the intro to wholesale lending with Desmond Smith, the Chief Growth Officer at UWM. We transitioned into building careers in the wholesale channel with Justin Brown and Jennifer Gormer. In our last conversation with Jason Bressler, the CTO at UWM, we talked about how technology is leading the broker channel into the future. And today, in our our capstone episode in this four-part series, I have the pleasure of welcoming Mike Walton, Director of Wholesale Development at UWM, to speak with us about helping new brokerages get off the ground. Mike, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. How are we doing, Clayton? Doing great. So, Mike, I'll admit, in preparation for this episode, I talked to a few brokers about how they got their businesses off the ground. And 
your name came up. Oh, wow. So I, I think uh, I think that we picked the right guest to have this conversation today. That's awesome. So Mike, I want to kind of kick off with talking about exactly what your role is as Director of Wholesale Development at UWM. It's, uh, it's a big responsibility, and I think the audience would, would benefit by learning more about how you spend your time each day. Love it. Um, essentially, my role is to help transition people over from the retail space into the wholesale space through either opening a new company or helping them join an existing brokerage. But we don't stop there. We don't let someone open a company and not still work with them. We also consult with them to get that company off the ground and make sure they're built the right way so they can be successful for the long term. That, that's really interesting. And I know that the audience is looking for actionable insights. And I think it sounds like that's exactly what you bring to brokers. So we'll make sure we dive into that in this conversation. Can't wait. I want to kind of highlight that like this is a very specific area of expertise, helping loan originators start mortgage brokerage shops. So what was the path that led you to specializing your career in this very specific area <laughs> business opportunity? Honestly, you know, there is no direct path to, to this. I've been with the company over a decade, held a few different positions. And honestly, Matt had this idea of, hey, we're going to grow wholesale organically and make sure that we provide people with an opportunity to be able to step into this phase. And at the time, I was one of our vice presidents of operations. And so he moved me over and it was really birthed out of necessity because it's this broad thing that you got to figure out a way to make it simplistic, make it easy, but also make it something that's sustainable. And so the skill set was birthed out of the necessity of what we were trying to create. That's really interesting. So a decade at UWM, you've seen a pretty massive transfer, transformation in the, the business that you work in at UWM, but you've also seen a pretty massive transformation of the overall wholesale market. Was this role, I know you've been in a few roles at UWM, but like, was this type of role on, on helping brokers start brokerage shops necessary a decade ago? Did it exist in any capacity or is this like new evolution that, that you and your leadership team at UWM like brought to market? It, I think it was something that was always necessary, but we didn't necessarily have the vehicle to do it with, right? Because after the crash, as we all know, brokers got a bad rap. People didn't understand the whole model and what was their fault and what wasn't their fault and how they operated. So people shied away from it. So the first thing you had to attack was the myths that were surrounding the broker and wholesale channel. Once you got that and you got past that, well, how do we get back to the market share that we once had? Sometimes it's close to 50 or 56% of the market. How do you do that? Well, you're going to do that by organic growth. And that's where the idea came from. So was it there 10 years ago? Probably not. But was it there eight to nine? Probably. As soon after we really started picking up steam and trying to get the market to shift back, we started thinking about how do we grow this? Because at the end of the day, you can only grow as large as the ceiling is above you. So how do we raise that ceiling? We create more people. Yeah, to grow the pie mentality. So we we earlier in one of the earlier episodes we talked about the the fifty percent number of where the the broker market share was go, going back to like the two thousand seven two thousand eight era. Is that the most important metric that you measure success by today as you think about growing the wholesale channel, the per market share percentage? It is one of the most important. It's it's obviously the front runner. Obviously, the number of brokerages we create actually add to our ability to keep pushing that number forward. But then there are some secondary metrics that we use as well, because I'm not in the business of just creating things for the sake of creating it. We want to create things that can sustain themselves. So we have some, some, some next level metrics that we look at in terms of the growth of the company, how the company is going about its business. Was the company better once it made the transition and actually their closing metrics that they grow? So those are other things that we track along with these companies we're creating to ensure that we're not only bringing people into the broker market, but they're getting better and clients are being serviced better once they come over. 
Are there any benchmarks for for growth or uh, monthly production that you, you try to help guide brokers toward as they're or prospective brokers toward as they're launching their career in the wholesale market? So benchmarks are really not as universal in in this particular area as you would think, because when you're consulting for someone, I got to take what you have and find out what's realistic for you. So if you were doing two loans a month prior to coming into the channel, me saying, hey, in six months, you should be at 20. That's probably a stretch. I got some building to do with you in terms of doing that. On average, what I kind of hold myself to is I want to be 30 to 50 percent better than what they were when they started with us. And that's what we're looking at in terms of measuring. Are we doing our job? Are we providing them with the resources and the tools they need to help them scale and grow the way they want? And if a loan originator is going to make a change in their career, whether it's switching from one lender to another or going from retail to wholesale or, or any type of move, they're expecting growth. They're not doing this for not doing this for hobby. They're not doing it to, to like just give it a shot. They they want an outcome. Is it is there any expectation management that that you need to provide to make sure brokers come in and stay in the channel for the long haul and and you know don't don't expect like a miracle overnight or is there is that not a challenge? It is a challenge <laughs> as with anything because one their familiarity with the market or our to say with the channel depicts how much or determines how much we're going to have to set expectations with them. If you have no knowledge of it, I have to teach you a whole new language, right? I have to teach you a whole new way of doing things. Even though it may be better for you in the long run, you still have to learn it. And so I have to let them know that there's going to be an easing into this path as you go to it. But here's the good news. We've simplified it so much that you can literally plug in today and do the same business you were doing while I'm setting you up to continue to scale and grow your business down the road. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I, I've heard as people have switched shops or gone from one channel to another, licensing is a challenge. Does that ever trip uh, originators up as they as they make a professional move like this? It does if they don't seek help because there are resources out there to help you with it. We help you with guidance in terms of what you may need in terms of licensing. There are also third-party compliance companies that will take care of licensing for you. So if you have a little bit of capital or something you could take off your plate, you can outsource it and they'll literally take care of your license from beginning to end. Okay. So Mike, one of my favorite things about mortgage and real estate overall is that there is no former college, formal college degree or training program to bring somebody into the mortgage or real, real estate sales ecosystem. People come from all different professional, personal backgrounds, all demographics and, and walks of life. And um, you see people from many different backgrounds find success in housing. So as you think about some of the originators that you've helped ramp up in your capacity at EWM, are there any different professional profiles that you see just really pop and see people step into the brokerage ecosystem and, and kind of excel beyond their wildest dreams? Aside from the people who are already in the business, the people I see do extremely well, and this may surprise you, are people who have been in the service industry, Okay. One of the missing links that happens a lot in our industry right now is that people may work on technology. People may work on the efficiency of their process, but not enough people pay attention to the client experience and what service looks like. People in the service industry do really, really well because of the fact they're attentive to their clients' needs. And the more I can meet those needs, the more I can be attentive to them, the more I can make sure I'm addressing their concerns, the easier it is for me to help them navigate through the process. So that becomes a good basis for it. The other thing I look for are people who are used to leading, people who are used to corralling people and getting them all to move in the same direction. People are used to taking complex messages and then breaking down into simplistic answers. Well, guess who else does that? Teachers are really good at doing that. 
you know, I, I went to school for chemical engineering. And I'll never forget. I had a teacher in high school who taught qualitative analysis like we were teaching painting by numbers. You never thought the concepts were over your head because they were so great at breaking those concepts down. Well, the average mortgage broker to be successful, you're talking to a person who deals with a mortgage maybe once, twice, max three times in their life. How do I take these concepts and make them simplistic that they can grab hold to it and then move forward with the transaction that we're talking about? So those are a couple of the types of profiles or people that think like that or professions that cause you to think like that, that we try to look at because they have a good base for what we need for them to be successful. I love that you were a chemical engineer by training. I, I just spoke with Jason Bressler, and I believe he said he was an English literature major in college. <laughs> so it's pretty wild how uh, these educational paths can lead to to this industry that we've all, in one way or another, dedicated our our careers to. So, Mike, I want to talk a, a little bit more about how people come into the mortgage industry and the brokerage space. So like obviously UWM is doing making big moves with beamortgagebroker.com. And that was probably one of the, the most notable educational steps for people outside of the industry or from other channels to think about becoming a broker. How are some of these service industry professionals finding out about what mortgages are and what being an originator looks like? Like, how does that how does that bridge get um, crossed? I, honestly, it's mostly organic. I would say, you know, they heard about it from a friend. But be a mortgages, be a mortgage brokers initiatives are getting the education out there, getting in front of more people, advertising on more sites, making sure that people know about it, and is getting people to get a little bit more intrigued about what the mortgage industry is. If you go to news headlines, everyone talks about inflation. They talk about how it affects housing prices, how it affects mortgages. So people start to understand that there's a whole industry back in this. Well, let me find out more. Or I talked to my mortgage guy and wow, I feel like I could do what they did. Wow. What do you make? How does this go? And I think organically people are getting more and more drawn to it because we've had more inquiries into it than we've had in the last five years here over the last six to 10 months. So Definitely, we we see that groundswell coming, but I be, I think because the housing market is such a hot topic, people are now looking deeper into it. I think you're spot on there. It's I mean funny here at Housing Wire. I mean we cover the housing market and mortgage industry 365 days a year, cycle in, cycle out, and it's <laughs> uh, it's always entertaining to see like what other news outlets come in and decide they're going to cover mortgage during a during a hot news cycle. But um, rest assured, when things get a little more boring, the environments that we actually enjoy. Exactly. <laughs> where, where are those people going to be then? But yeah, no, it's a, it's a good thing how much attention the housing market can get for attracting the right professionals to the industry. So it's not enough just to decide to become a mortgage broker. It's then there's the next decision of where you're going to work. Are you going to be independent? And that might be a newer decision that a lot of brokers are faced with, at least in my experience in the housing industry, this evolution of seeing scaled brokerage shops seems relatively new. And brokers now have the choice. Do I want to go work for a large broker and still be an independent mortgage broker, but under somebody else's umbrella? Or do I want to open my own shop, put my name on the door and be the the community broker that uh, you know is, is independent and has that entrepreneurial uh, drive. So is that a decision that you're seeing a lot of brokers face as they enter your, enter your funnel and pipeline, or they are usually past that point when you're starting to have these conversations? Well, I think as we're getting more of a, a shift to people coming over, we've had more and more people every day looking to move from retail. It's become more of a conversation than it used to be. 
Because before, when there were less people, they knew what they wanted to do because they they were purposely coming over to this side. Now we have people kicking the tires and checking under the hood. And so they're figuring out like which path makes the most sense for me. So it's definitely a question that, that comes up or a conversation that comes up more often. And really, you know, there are a few things we look at when trying to advise someone and kind of help them out. Because ultimately, it's going to be their decision, right? But we want to make sure we're equipping them with the right information. The first thing we look at is what is your experience with leading people? You know, some people say they want to be an owner, but they're not prepared for what an owner does. You can no longer think simply as a loan officer when you're trying to run a company. You also have to think as a business person. And there are business things that go along with it. Leading people is one. Have you had to organize an infrastructure of some sort before to understand what it means to build a culture from the ground up, to understand what it means to build processes in a way of working? And then thirdly, another major thing we look at is, do you have a brand? Do you have a brand that you can actually build upon and grow into something else? So we look at, do you have experience leading? We look at, do you have the ability to organize and build an infrastructure? Have you had experience in that? And do you have a brand? And many singular loan officers have done all those things and they realize, wow, on some level, I've been kind of being my own owner anyway. I've never explored this. Maybe I should go the ownership route. Can you help me with the administrative stuff and what's that going to look like? And that's where we have process to fill in those gaps to make it easy for them. Others, man, that's not what I want. I want to be able to plug into something that exists. And here's the wonderful thing about what you said to these scaling shops is that it used to be a wholesale. I got to lose on technology or I have to lose on a process or I have to lose on availability of underwriters and being able to speak directly with them. That's no longer the case when you have lenders like UWM. I get all the same technology, if not better. I can speak directly with my operations staff working on my loan. So I have the same access I had before. And then I have processes at these scale broker shops that mirror, if not improve upon the processes I'm already used to. And then you give me optionality along with that while I can have the best of both worlds. Yeah. So I mean, optionality is an important word there. Do you often get inquiries from brokers about what other wholesale lenders they should talk to for different specialty products or other areas where UWM doesn't have the the, 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 the focus or the, the best product for that need? Yes. And we, we make those recommendations. The goal, the goal first is to get you into wholesale. The goal second is make sure we stand you up the way that you're going to be successful. And the third goal, let's make sure you have the right partners to do that. That's what makes you a great broker. Let's align your partners the right way. So the common method we use is, hey, let's start you off with three basic lenders. Okay, let's let's get used to the channel. Let's get used to what you're doing. Your primary lender is going to be the person that most closely aligns with your business proposition and value proposition. You're able to advertise their platform as if it's your own. That's going to be your primary lender. Your secondary lender is going to be someone who can handle the overflow from primary. They're very similar to it, but maybe they offer one or two expansions that you may need from time to time that your primary lender doesn't cover. Then your tertiary lenders, that's going to be your niche lender. That's going to be those specialty products, you know, like, well, we have a, you know, bank statement loan, but stuff like bank statement loans or DSCR loans, which we have now, but there are other lenders that may do it a little bit different way. That's that specialty lender bucket. And if you start with that, exactly. You can now cover the whole spectrum of the mortgage market with your being a broker, and you can do it efficiently with you having these partners that you align yourselves with. I appreciate that you actually mentioned uh, bank statement and debt service coverage ratio loans. I, I think we throw around so many acronyms in this this industry of non-QM, which for a new broker might fly just fly right past somebody. So I think it's important to talk about what actually is inside of the, this this product mix that brokers are going to need to serve their realtor and referral partners to to the best ability. Definitely. 
is it, yeah on the, on that question do you often get like the basic questions from brokers on like the alphabet soup that uh, is mortgage industry acronyms <laughs> um like how, how yes. you have you explain uh fhfa to, to many people well fortunately you know a lot of people coming over right now have that base knowledge so we're so yeah, pretty we're point. pretty good with that but you know the thing is it does happen from time to time and that's what we pride ourselves on we we've literally built a platform where not only do we give you a step-by-step way to go about building your company, we give you access to resources through our success track and other offerings to help you learn the basics of the industry, along with our ongoing consultation to make sure that you're placed in the best possible position to succeed. Okay. So Mike, for those brokers that do answer the question, if they have the experience hiring, firing and inspiring and building a, a, a team and setting up, want to, want to be independent and open their own brokerage. Let's talk about that, that business model and the understanding that new brokers, broker owners need to have as they hang their shingle. So can you talk us through some of the key considerations from a business planning perspective about what brokers should expect in terms of revenue and cost structure? And then we can go into the people side of it from there. So revenue and cost structure, obviously, it's a transaction-based revenue structure where you as a broker have a range in which you can pick a comp plan with each of the lenders that you partner with. And that's going to be paid to you on a per-loan basis with the loans that you close from each lender. The benefit of this is what you're focused on and how it relates to your cost structure is you're focused on the origination of the loan only, right? And obviously, the record keeping that goes along with and the compliance that falls within that origination. But in terms of fulfillment, that is done by the lender partner that you align yourself with. So the huge benefit is because of the fact that I'm focused on this one part, I don't have to build into my cost structure the same things I would if I were on the retail side. I'm able to run really lean in terms of cost. And, and, and one of the things that we've been seeing with a lot of people coming over is their costs are kind of landing somewhere around 30 to 50 basis points per loan. Right. On on an average is kind of what we've been seeing. Obviously, that's going to vary based on if you want to have commercial space, if you want to have different levels of technology, if you want to have a more scaled version, obviously your cost structure goes up. But you literally can come into this and you can focus on a loan officer and a processor. And that's your business. And that's the model you build from. And that's super, super lean and nimble when it comes to setting your margin with your clients. So the benefit you have is there's shifts in the market and the average comp plan right now is 200 basis points. I know since I only have to worry about me, my processor, and we work remote, I can go ahead and drop myself to 175 basis points because of the market shift and make sure I'm competitive in the market and go back to that volume because I know I've partnered with people like a lender that's similar to UWM where all I have to do is plug into the scale that they've already built. I have a 7,000 person fulfillment team behind me. They can handle any amount of volume I bring. So if I want to make a play like that, I don't really have to add to my company to do it and worry about underwriters, worry about CFC or change of circumstance, worry about a setup team. I literally just have to bring it in the door and I have my fulfillment company behind me that helps me close it. You hear legends of mortgage brokers that run one man or one woman shops with no loan officers, assistant or processors. And you also see people who, you know, take more like the face of the business approach and have a small, a small team behind them that, that runs loans once they're, they're in the door. How are brokers choosing like which path is right for them? Do you see many people want that, that single solo operator model? Or do you see more people that are looking for, Hey, I'm going to need a processor and an LOA. And I want to eventually recruit another broker. Like what's that decision-making process look like? 
What I found, and, and this may be surprising, it really depends on how they've built their book of business. Yeah. Right. The people with, hey, I'm maybe I'm in the twilight of my career and I've built this solid book of business. I want to run as lean as possible and just service the people I've been servicing. I see a lot of those people leaning toward the one man shop model because, hey, I can offer everything I offer before. So aesthetically, I still have the feel of a bigger company. But in terms of management and what I'm doing, I'm relaxing. I'm, I'm kind of fading into the sunset a little bit on my career and I can still do it at a high level. I'm a one man shop. The other version of a one man shop is, hey, I've been running my team with me and my assistant and we've been cranking out this number. I just talked to a gentleman the other day. He prior to 2022, he had done 100 million in a year with just him and his assistant. And so for him, he's like, I don't need to hire people. Yeah. I just want to be able to do that well. Right. And so that's another version of it. Hey, I'm highly efficient. Let me just run highly efficient. And then you have those, like you said, I want to be the face of the company. I'm going to bring in so much business because I'm great at developing relationships. I need to have a mid a mid grade fulfillment team before it gets to my lending partner to service all those clients. Those are the people that start hiring the loan officers, the processors, the LOAs, because now I'm trying to scale this a bit more because of what I want this process to look like. And those are generally people that have their sights set on to be, I love how you dubbed it, the scaling style mortgage brokerages. They're the ones that start off like that because they have their sights on becoming that. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. It, this is like making me think back on my conversation with Jason. And we, we talked about how there really is no one size fits all. And um, right. every brokerage shop, every lender, you know, has slightly different needs, and the tech stack need needs to reflect that. And as we bridge to this conversation, the business strategy and hiring strategy needs to reflect that. Um, on the on more of like a challenged front, have you seen any brokers take a step where they're like, "Hey, I want to build a scaled shop," and then realize that actually that wasn't the right fit for me, and I need to like backtrack toward the efficiency model? Yes, yes, I, I have definitely seen that, and. I may be, maybe because I'm a little conservative in how I advise people, I try to start people with, hey, let's start with a version of this that's easily manageable, but also opens the door to scale. So like when we talk about technology, we talk about three buckets you should assess your technology from, your budget, the user interface, and the scalability of the products you're using. So and what I mean by that and how I guide them into that is, number one, let's, let's work with what you can afford for the size that you are. Number two, what do you want it to feel like when people are working in your system? If you handle those two things, we're off to a great start. But the scalability is where the door is open. Does it work for the five people you have today and work well without overwhelming you? And does it give you the ability to continue to add should you make that decision? So normally what happens in that scenario, someone who's kind of on the fence, they'll get one that's easy to scale, but also easy to dial back. And that's that's what kind of puts them in that nimble position as a broker to be able to grow as large as they want, but then realize, ah, that's not for me. The downsizing doesn't have to be as painful as it would normally be as well. Yeah, it's interesting. So, um, Mike, in our first conversation with Desmond Smith, we talked quite a bit about community, but it feels like that's a topic worth bringing back up because when you dive into the the mortgage broker ecosystem, you see a relatively supportive and engaged group of brokers distributed across the country, for the most part, non-competitive in different markets, but many do compete against each other. How does community impact new brokers coming to the ecosystem? And are you seeing these new brokers welcomed with open arms by this, this really engaged group of mortgage brokers is out there trying to grow market share? Yes, I do see them welcome with open arms. And honestly, it's the jet fuel for their business. The community that's provided through organizations like AIM 
that becomes a jet fuel. The community they get from coming out to our success, success track, that becomes the fuel that really pushes them forward because it shrinks that learning curve. And people are so dedicated to growing the broker channel and the wholesale channel that they're saying, hey, my helping you doesn't detract from me doing the business that I want to do. If we're 20 percent of the market, there's still 80 percent market share out there that we all can get a piece of the pie and eat really, really well. So the better I make you, the better opportunity I have the next time someone finds out I'm a broker because they had a great experience with another broker. And people are starting to understand the power of branding. And the power of how someone else's brand can affect your brand. And when you think of it from that standpoint as a community and a family, you're thinking, hey, I want my brother or sister to do well, because when people encounter me, I want them to already have great expectations and a great experience that I get to build off of. I, that's a like reputation is a, a great topic because we we saw and I mean, you know, we rewind back 15 years to 08, the words loan originator, broker, they were thrown around so like interchangeable changeably and loosely. And, um, it matters like how our, how the industry and how the ecosystem perceives us as housing professionals, how they perceive brokers. Like we need the reputation to be as high as possible. Cause I mean, I, and I don't think more highly of many professions out there. We're, we're helping put people in houses. That's a, uh, that's an honorable, uh, profession and honorable charge. And, uh, I think these originators need to, you know, really keep a high bar for how they're perceived in the industry and help each other. I couldn't agree with you more, man. I mean, there, to me, there's no better place for you to go get a mortgage than with a mortgage broker. I respect all the people that are in retail. I respect the model. Um, obviously, I respect business, but I love what we can do for people in terms of providing specific solutions to specific scenarios to help people where they otherwise wouldn't find help. And when you're doing that, when you care about the client experience and you provide for them such a, a wonderful experience, it makes it easy for us to keep giving people access to this because access is all we need for people to understand that they're going to be in a better position once they've touched a mortgage broker. All right, Mike. So we've talked about how new brokers come into the channel. We've talked about some of the resources that you and your team and other wholesale lenders across the ecosystem provide to help new brokers find success. How do you keep brokers successful when you're, you're two, three, 20 years into running your brokerage shop? What touch points do you provide that help these brokers continue to find more success and grow their businesses if that's what they desire? By us evolving. Honestly, you, you, to me, when you're in a relationship, you can only go as far in that relationship as the other person is willing to evolve. And our willingness to stay at the head of innovation, to provide new techniques, new skills, learn new things, and then in turn teach and provide those things to you is what keeps you abreast to what's going on currently and what's coming up next. So even in our consultation, even if it's something I've never experienced before, someone comes up with an idea, I'm going to find new technologies that can support that idea to keep them at the forefront of it, to continue to help them grow. Hey, I noticed your business model does this. I think this is something great for you to adopt within it to get you to that next level and keeping it fresh and keeping it current and making sure we're always thinking ahead. That's been our secret sauce. And I probably shouldn't tell everybody that, but that's really been our secret sauce to, to how we've been able to help brokers so much. I, I might be exaggerating, but I feel like Matt stands up in our meetings on Wednesdays and comes out with a new product every single week <laughs> on how we are, we're expanding into something else, right? And we're not the only lender that does that. There are other lenders that are coming out with new things. So when you align yourselves with partners who are forward thinking, it allows you to be forward moving. And that's the key, I think, to, to longevity in this business. 
I imagine after your event, like live earlier this month, the the idea funnel is um, fast and furious after all the conversations you've had with 6,000 brokers or whatever it was. <laughs> I wish I could show you my inbox. <laughs> I wish I could show you my inbox. It's it's broke. It, it, I, but that's the thing about innovation. When one person gets something, it sparks someone else, then it sparks someone else. And then pretty soon you have a fire of creativity that's growing that allows for us to pull from it the next big thing or the next great thing we can expand into to help brokers have more to offer clients. Well, Mike, you had the the honor, the privilege, and the responsibility being episode four, our, our capstone in this four-part series. I think we're ending on a perfect topic about how brokers in the wholesale ecosystem are supporting each other to, to grow, find market share, and build successful businesses. Can't thank you enough for, for joining us for episode four of the Wholesale Masterclass. Thank you for having me. I love what Housing Wire does, and thank you for servicing the community as well as you do. Bam. Now that is a wrap of this week's episode of the Housing News Podcast. Do me a huge favor and go to iTunes and rate this show. And if you leave a comment, you better tune in next week because you might get a shout out. Thank you.